Welcome to the Servants of Grace podcast hosted by Dave Jenkins. Our podcast exists to provide trustworthy expository messages through the Bible and faithful answers to your theology questions. Now for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Servants of Grace theology segment. One of our listeners writes in today and they have a great question. And the question is this, if God knew that Adam and Eve would sin, then why did he create them? You see, God created all things, including us, for himself and is glorified in his creation. It may be hard to see how Adam and Eve falling into sin could bring glory to God. But God is omniscient, and he knows the future. And so the Lord was not surprised that Adam and Eve would sin. Adam and Eve falling into sin does not mean that the Lord tempted them to sin, nor that the Lord is the author of sin. The fall of Adam and Eve served the purpose of the Lord for creation and for humanity. You see, biblical history can be divided into three main sections. First, paradise, paradise lost, and lastly, paradise regained. The largest part of scripture is from paradise lost to paradise regained. And at the center of the story of paradise lost is a cross and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, planned from the very beginning. The Lord was not surprised by the fall. It was foreknown by God, just as a cross was foreordained by God. All people will one day glorify the Lord, and it is the purpose of God to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ, Ephesians 1.10 says. You see, the Lord God, he created the world in which his glory would be manifest in all of its fullness. And so the goal of creation was to display the glory of God, which is also the goal of everything he does. The universe was created to showcase the glory of God and the wrath of God is revealed against those who fail to glorify him. Without the fall of the man, there's there's no way to know for sure for man to know the glory of God and of the grace of God. And so all of God's plan, including the fall, election, redemption, uh, the atonement of humanity, it all serves the purpose of glorifying God. Adam falling into sin displays the mercy of God by not killing him on the spot. The grace of God was evident in the covering that he provided for the shame of Adam and Eve. The patience of God was on display later as humanity fell deeper and deeper into sin. The justice and the wrath of God were demonstrated when the Lord sent the flood, and the mercy and the grace of God displayed when the Lord saved Noah and his family. The holy wrath and the perfect justice of God will be seen in the future when he deals with Satan once and for all. The knowledge of the the love of God comes from the person and the saving work of Jesus Christ. If the Lord had not created Adam and Eve based on his knowledge of the fall, or if he had made them robots with no free will, there'd be no way for man to know the love of God. The ultimate demonstration of the love of God occurred at the cross where the wrath, justice, and mercy of God meet. The righteous judgment of all sin was executed, and the grace of God displayed in Jesus' words in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them. See, the love and the grace of God are manifest in those who are saved. The Lord will be glorified as his people worship him for all eternity. The wicked will also glorify God as the righteousness of God results in the eternal punishment of unrepentant sinners. Without the fall of Adam and Eve, humanity would never know the justice, the grace, 
or the love of God. So we need to consider more about this subject because some people object that the foreknowledge and the foreordination of the fall damage the freedom of man. The, the best answer to this question, to this issue, comes from the Westminster Confession of Faith, uh, number 3.1, which says this, God from all eternity did by his most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. And yet so, as thereby neither is God the author of sin, nor is violence offered to the will of the creatures, nor is a liberty or the contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established. You see, the Lord used future events in such a way that, that freedom and the working of the second cause, the laws of nature, are preserved. Theologians can call this concurrence. Concurrence is how the sovereign work of God works with the freedom of humanity's choices. And so their choices always result in the will of God. Free decisions do not mean that our choices are coerced by outside influences, but it means a complex interaction of wills and choices. And so the Creator can handle any amount of complexity. The Lord foresaw the fall of Adam and Eve and created men and women in his image to bring him glory. Adam and Eve were given freedom to make choices, but they chose to disobey. And so their choice became how the will of God was carried out and by which his glory will be seen. Romans 5, 12-21 is a critical passage in this discussion because it says that Adam was a type of one to come, even Jesus Christ in Romans five fourteen, Adam's choices are our choices which is why every human being shares in the consequences of Adam's sin. Adam's transgression is imputed to every human being, so God regards everyone guilty. The righteousness of Christ is imputed to sinners when they believe in him, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, and his righteousness, we need to be clear, is a gift of the grace of God. Genesis 3.14-15 is the first gospel, the Proto-Evangelium, where the Lord promises Eve's seed will crush Satan and the serpent's head. Jesus, by his obedience, is that seed, for he crushed Satan, securing our right standing before the Lord. The Lord did not need to create. He chose to create. The Lord, through all the time and eternity, he enjoyed perfect love and intimate communion with the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity enjoyed perfect relationship and completely fulfilled one another. He created everything out of nothing to put his glory on display for the delight of created beings made in his image so they might declare the greatness of God. Genesis declares God's extraordinary display of the sovereignty of God in speaking creation into being and in saving it. Moses in Genesis records the stunning work of God in creation where he created out of nothing by speaking it into being. In fact, the act of creation by the Lord displays his royal sovereignty. The dazzling display of the sovereignty of God in creation is a prime example of the Lord's rightful rule in all matters. Consider the following as we wrap up today. The Lord who commanded the light to appear on day one of creation, or a gospel light to shine into the hearts of sinners at war with him. He who separated the waters on day two would cause an infinite chasm to separate himself for sinners. He who gathered the waters together on day three will gather sinners to himself through Christ alone. The Lord who created the sun, the moon, and the stars on day four would create saving faith. 
The Lord who began to create an animal kingdom on day five would send forth the Son of God and the Son of Man, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, to take away sin. The Lord who created Adam and Eve on day six would soon recreate sinners into his image by the free grace of God, performing the second Genesis and the salvation of lost men and women found by a gracious Lord in our precious Jesus. I want to thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Servants of Grace Theology segment. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Servants of Grace podcast today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a rating on the app, and share our episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to, you can follow us on Instagram at Servants of Grace, on Twitter at Servants of Grace, or by searching Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this podcast on the front page of our website at servantsofgrace.org.